son. You got it, man. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does it. AM 1420. WBSM presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. I don't know what's wrong with me. Why do I have so much trouble with the computer following the Red Sox broadcast? I don't know. Just how it is. Put that on the agenda for the meeting with yep. Pete when he gets I back will. from vacation. Find out why I have so much trouble coming out of the Red Sox. It's like, no matter what I press, it doesn't work. The Red Sox just want to infiltrate our show. It wasn't enough that they took away the first hour and 20 minutes. They want the last 42. Welcome to Spooky South Coast, where we talk about the paranormal each and every Saturday night. You can listen to us live each week on WBSM, as well as on WBSM.com. And you can also go to SpookySouthCoast.com and watch us on Spooky TV, where you can see what's going on in the studio. And hopefully you have better audio tonight on Spooky TV. Our friends are in the chat room there, and they can let us know if things sound better, because uh, we decided that apparently my laptop was the problem. Matt Koss and I stayed here until the wee hours <laughs> of the morning last right. week, and, and we troubleshooted. We figured troubleshot. it out. Troubleshot. Troubleshot Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we think we got it going. Yeah, squared away. So people can let us know uh, what they think uh, of the sound uh, in the chat room. And, of course, you can call in at any time during the program, 508-996-0500, Check us out on Twitter as well, at SpookySC. And we're also on Facebook, and I think we still have a MySpace. I reactivated Do the MySpace. MySpace. I reactivated it. Really? A few weeks ago. I have no idea how to use MySpace yeah. anymore. No. It's just like a bunch of pictures, and like you can't access anything. You can't contact people through yeah. it. I don't understand how Is it Justin works. Is Justin Timberlake automatically your friend? I think so. Good. Yes. Good. Right. And uh, Tom, even Tom hasn't reactivated his <laughs> MySpace. But, uh, you, you know, what's funny is Moniz, I, I saw our friend Renee from Lizzie Borden's. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell ever happened to her? And I tried reaching out to her through the email addresses that I found and everything, but, uh, but no luck. But I'll keep you posted on that. All right. She's a good kid. Right. So, uh, well, actually now she's uh, she's got a pretty important job. So, yeah. So we will uh, we will follow up on that, I'm sure. Well, tonight we are – if anyone is listening to the Tim Weisberg show this morning or Saturday morning with Tim, whatever you want to call it, if anybody was up at 6 o'clock in the morning like I was, we were talking about some of the greatest TV shows of all time uh, because I was putting Breaking Bad up there at the top of the list. And – other people were defending The Sopranos, All in the Family, different programs. So Chris Balzano thought that since we knew we were going to have a shortened show due to the Red Sox, that uh, we should probably have a show where we focus on some of the greatest paranormal-themed TV shows of all time. And we're talking yeah. about scripted shows, right, Chris? We're talking about shows that uh, are scripted dramas or, or comedies or what have you. We're not talking about reality programs. And Chris, are you there? Hello. Hi. Hey, what's going on? You dropped yeah. out. Oh, that's... I, I didn't drop out. I just barely graduated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I was number five in my class. Like, work got me. So, uh, we're, we're talking about some of the greatest uh, TV shows with a paranormal theme to them. We're talking about scripted shows, though, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because, you know, I think everyone has their their flavor of paranormal reality show. 
And, uh, and I think, you know, most people who are, um, you know, of the older generation who have been in this stuff for a long time are going to put those old school ones, which are pretty much reality shows, like they're documentary type shows. They're going to put those over the, the, uh, the modern ones. But, you know, I think that more relies on what kind of investigators you like. But we're just talking scripted shows here. So if we're talking about scripted shows about the paranormal, where, where the storylines are already laid out and we're talking about actors and, uh, and contrived situations and we're talking about ghost hunters, ghost adventures, paranormal state. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing as you were saying that contrived. I'm like, hmm, yeah, no, okay. I was, I'm just kidding. What? Nate, you, 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 these people got to get better audio. Now they're saying it's staticky. What's the issue there? Um, I don't know. All right. Let's, let's we'll, try this. We'll try How the about cable? That? I'm, you know what? It's not us anymore. At this point, it's every person's computer in the chat room <laughs> at this point. Everybody. Yes. <laughs> it's not us. It's you. All right. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. That's why we all have to break up. <laughs> so, Chris, getting back into this. So, uh, I was looking. I read that list this morning uh, on the morning show of uh, the 101 greatest shows as picked by the Writers Guild of America. And I looked through the list here again before we came on the air, and I was trying to figure out what ones had a supernatural or paranormal tinge to them. And number three, The Twilight Zone, I came up with. Uh, And let's look at some of these other ones here. Uh, Number 26, The X-Files. Number 27, Lost. Uh, Number, I mean, I didn't go into sci-fi. I kind of just stuck with paranormal stuff. So the next one would be number 49, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I'm pretty sure, oh, number 79, Alfred Hitchcock Presents. And that about does it. That's the end of the paranormal-themed shows that are on this list. And, and uh, I'm sorry, uh, I also skipped over uh, Twin Peaks, which I think we should probably include at number 35. Yeah, I think that's a safe bet. You know, however, however uh, you know, uh, obscure and confusing, definitely like the, the best elements of that were the, the supernatural ones. So, I mean, in this, we're talking about uh, a list that came out in June of 2013. So this is a pretty recent list. And right. there's, there's a lot of shows that probably have a, a supernatural flavor to them that are missing from this list. Uh, not surprisingly, because I think a lot of times when you cover these themes, those who judge great writing would tend to discredit some of these shows based on that subject matter. Yeah, and, and it's, I think that's unfair because it, it seems to... It seems to me that those are the ones that kind of unify people. They bring them together. They kind of they get very big cult followings. You know, it's easy to watch Modern Family. And I'm, you know, I'll just attack Modern Family for a moment. So watch something like Modern Family because it's the show that's on. It's the comedy that's on at that time. It's very comfortable. And you sit back and you watch it. Uh, Modern Family goes off. People are going to go, no, Modern Family, bring it back. And then, you know, something else is going to come along. And they're just going to kind of hop on that. But a lot of these paranormal shows that don't necessarily get their... Uh, they're due in terms of the writing that's in them, in terms of the the uh, the storylines, you know, both the, the the kind of internal each episode storylines, but then also you know the art that might last a season or the entire series. They just don't get the credit with major people, but people who like them, people who watch them, are very very passionate about it. So you know that's got to you know rather than how many viewers someone has, you know how loyal someone is to a show. I think it's got to be taken into account. Well, I did throw the question out on my Facebook page, and I, I asked people, uh, you know, for their own thoughts on it, and uh, just you know, taking out some of the ones that were reality theme shows like MTV's Fear and Ghost Adventure and things like that. Uh, st- sticking with the scripted series, uh, we have votes for The Twilight Zone, uh, The Outer Limits, X Files, uh, quite a few votes for X Files, Lost, Star Trek. 
Bewitched, Tales from the Crypt, Scooby-Doo, uh, and uh, Amazing Stories uh, pretty much cover the scripted shows that people listed up there, except uh, except Don Bliss put My Mother the Car, which I guess would kind of count because it's a, it's a paranormal <laughs> theme for your mother to possess a, a motor vehicle. Right, my favorite Martian. Come on, those are, you know, they might be older and they well, might I, be like kind of hokey, but there you go. You know, I skipped I mean, over Time Tunnel too, sorry. I have to throw that back in there. What about Elf? Well, it's funny, you know, I was looking at, okay, so I wanted to see what are people saying are the greatest sci-fi shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really, as I was looking at that, and, you know, we could obviously debate genres and things like that. There were no, uh, uh, let's say, like ghost or cryptid shows or eerie shows such as even like the Twilight Zone or, you know one of the ones that people sometimes forget is like Ray Bradbury Theater which and the Hitchhiker which always kind of rocked my world um, but they were all um, much more uh, space based you know they were the Battlestar Galacticas and right. they were the Babylon 5s and things like that and Alf kept making these appearances on these lists but some of the other shows that I thought might be better didn't you know, and so it, it it was funny because so many of those shows, so many of those lists didn't even list something like the X Files because they were very, very like, no, it's not in inside, you know, in space with people who can't possibly exist, and it's not science fiction. Well, so uh, unfortunately, there was no list for science fiction slash horror. Right, and and I think we we lump it in in together because we're fans of both genres. But I'm sure that you know there's diehard sci-fi people that would want nothing to do with horror and, and vice versa. Uh, but some of these anthology programs that we're talking about, you know, Tales from the Dark Side uh, and, and shows like that, some of those even included, you know, all different aspects of the paranormal. It didn't have to be uh, just just space. It didn't have to be just ghosts or, or aliens or monsters or what have you. They, they incorporated all types of different storytelling. And you see a lot of that now in scripted straight series you know you have shows like roswell that was out a few years ago right. you have shows like true blood now where they're trying to bring in a variety of different uh themes within uh, within one series right right and even you know even something uh like fringe and uh supernatural which i've been watching trying to get into supernatural watching these little episodes but i see often see how it is it's um they're taking in all these other different aspects of the paranormal and kind of melting them through and, uh, and who was safety dancing there? Was that you, Costa? It was not. No. I was going to say, you, can, you can dance if you want to. <laughs> you can leave your friends behind. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and if your friends don't yeah. dance, then... I just need, like, a, a dwarf. No so I can <laughs> kick it. Well, we'll call Felix Silva. So, uh, we, who were we talking about before the show came on the air? Uh, one of the uh, the problems that I have, though, with the way that the these stories are told now is it's it's almost like it's forced like i i've pretty much given up on watching true blood because a lot of these story and i never read the books and i don't really care to uh but it seems like they're kind of forcing as many different aspects of the paranormal into these stories as they can and we see it on on a lot of these shows uh i mean do you feel like now it's becoming so oversaturated as a storytelling device because i mean you were a big buffy fan and, and buffy brought in a lot of different aspects of the paranormal but it it really never felt forced with that though right no and here's what it is um with the best paranormal shows that are you know there's one consistent kind of cast so it's not like they're your tales of the dark side or your twilight zone um there has to be a mythology right that's Mm -hmm. why lost is so great it's got this mythology that develops over time that's why buffy's so good there's a consistency to different kind of characters, especially different paranormal characters that kind of come through. The problem with the modern shows is 
there's not that consistency. There's no mythology. You know, I, I constantly uh, am forced to <laughs> watch Vampire Diaries, and it seems they just kind of, whatever they want to do so they can solve the problem of that episode, all of a sudden that's the mythology of the supernatural element. Right. And so there's, there's no kind of predictability. The predictability is whatever it is, it's going to be solved. Um, there's no kind of anticipation of like, oh, wait a minute. I mean, this kind of situation, this has to happen. It's like, no, all of a sudden this person has a magical cube that does this. Mm. And and it really aggravates me because I'm like, no, that's not what happened. No, no. Didn't five episodes ago this girl did this, this, and this? And my wife's like, just go with it. It's not supposed to be thought about. And I'm like, but it is. The best of these episodes, it is thought about. It is consistent. It is like... No, here's a universe that we have to kind of be consistent with and we have to be loyal to, as opposed to just kind of throwing anything out there to kind of make for a good story. Continuity. Continuity, exactly. And, and that is one of the problems with having paranormal themes is that it becomes so easy to, to paint yourself into a corner and then pull out a cop-out ending to, to kind of have uh, the uh, MacGuffin to get you out of the story. And it's you, it's so overused that people don't really want to fully invest themselves into sci-fi and paranormal themes anymore. Right. Either that or they can't become as committed to it um, because there's, eh, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. You know, whatever's going to, whatever's going to, uh, I know they're just going to solve it. So I'm just, so the, 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 the viewer has a lazy attitude towards the show because they know everything's going to be okay. I mean, one show that's getting a lot of uh, play right now is Under the Dome, and, you know, you and I are both big Stephen King fans. Uh, I was not a big fan of the way that that book ended, but I know that they've said that they're changing the ending of the show or the, or the source of the dome uh, from what it was on the in the book, and they're trying to expand the universe of the story so that it can last multiple seasons. But you, you just watch it, and you kind of have that feeling of, ah, uh, gee, I, I think I know what's coming. And even though they're saying it's different, I still, still think it's related. And it does kind of prevent your ability to fully invest yourself if you think you're going to be disappointed in the end. Right, and, and, I, and sometimes... Um you know, there's a there's a delay in, and this is kind of what Under the Dome was for me, which is why I, I haven't been able to connect with it like I've wanted to. Um, there is a uh, non-acceptance of the, a paranormal world that we live in. So, for example, if someone has a paranormal experience, they say, well, it was just this or this, that. If they have a whole bunch of them, they start to wonder if there's a ghost in their house. Um, with so many of these shows, the characters who are in them to have this kind of like hands-off thing to the paranormal unless it's their look they're like a vampire themselves or a werewolf mm -hmm. and so because they're not embracing that they're letting it to kind of seep in too slowly i can't get engaged because i'm like dude dude no it's a haunted robot it's a haunted robot just deal with it and, and these shows don't seem to want to do that a lot of times yeah i and I mean, we argue back and forth, uh, usually via text, but we argue back and forth about some shows and uh, about the writing and, and the storyline and the direction of some shows. And I think that, uh, the at least in the case of Under the Dome, it's actually better that Stephen King is hands-off, uh, at least in this first season, because now he's going to jump in and tell the first story of next season. And he's going to play in the world that somebody else has kind of built around his own uh, creation. So I'm interested in seeing where that goes because that's a, a different approach. I mean, so often we see these Stephen King adaptations, and just using him as an example, but most of the paranormal stuff uh, comes from source material elsewhere. And 
we already know how it's going to start and how it's going to end. And we don't see the uh, ability for there to be development within that. It's it's almost like every character that's involved in a paranormal story is a, uh, a stereotype or an archetype. And it's they're really there just to serve the purpose of the ultimate paranormal cause of the entire story. Which, And by the way, I just want to point out for those watching Spooky TV, I am wearing the ghost hats that my wife makes now. And they're available for $20 for adults and $15 for children. Just go to my Facebook page. You can see all the different hats she makes. Sorry, I hate to plug over a question like that. but It's all right. The commercials are playing. Nobody can see it anyway. <laughs> On that one, they were. Everybody else has been smart and downloaded the ad blocker. So, uh, but I mean, but that's really what it is. Is you don't really always get that character development. I think that's where where Lost was one of the few few series that focuses on these elements where they really spent the time telling the story and the backstory <laughs> of the uh, of the actual characters. Yeah, and and in addition to that, they left enough holes for us to fill it. Um, so it was not necessarily we knew everything there was to know about all of these characters. We knew enough to kind of fill in the holes, or at least be intrigued by it to continue. You know, and it's it, it's um, you know, it's always the people who go through the stories that make it more interesting, right? Even a ghost story. How many more different kinds of ghost stories can you have? I mean, I know a lot of people like to continuously watch like the Paranormal Activity movies. I haven't really seen them, but it seems like it's the same kind of thing over and over again. It's just a matter of how many times you get someone to be scared. But at its best, paranormal is there's paranormal and that's the environment and it's the characters who are going through it that make it interesting and how they react to it and how they develop them. Now, w when you're looking, though, at, at a show like Lost, you also have the other problem of when you delve into paranormal themes, and that's the fact that you can't always sustain that story. And as much as I love Lost, and you know how much I do, there were times when it faltered, and there were times when it seemed like they didn't have that master plan that they claimed to have, and, and where they got kind of painted into a bit of a corner in some of these storylines. And you have so many people that were disappointed in the later uh, later seasons. Right. And, and, you know, I mean, please go back to our archives and listen to our uh, <laughs> discussion, on, discussion on the finale of Lost and the, and the final uh, episodes of it. I think when that show faltered the most was when it started focusing on the non-paranormal element, so like power struggles and things like that. And that didn't make some people like, oh, okay, but like, where are the polar bears? You know what I'm saying? Like, where is the fog monster? Mm -hmm. um, and so I would say they were probably uh, like leaving your paranormal element aside uh, that, that led to some of the worst episodes of that. And the stretches of like two or three episodes where you're like, dude, um, I'm just watching because it's, it's, I need to know what happens. Well, there's also a, a, a lot of other series that they start, you know, they have the paranormal themes and they, they don't get to tell the entire story. Lost was fortunate enough that they got to go through the entire series as they envisioned it and they kind of pulled their own plug. But a lot of times we don't get that and we're left hanging on a lot of series, uh, one of which was my favorite, one of my favorite shows of all time, Quantum Leap. You know, that mm -hmm. the plug got pulled on that too soon and the whole entire story didn't get told. Uh, and another one was, I don't know if you ever saw this, Chris, but Carnival on HBO uh, had a lot of paranormal themes to it. It was kind of like a Twin Peaks of the 1930s, and that got cut short. Uh, and another HBO show, too, John's from Cincinnati, which came out for one season, 
and we weren't really sure where the story was going, but it definitely had a paranormal twist to it. And again, one and done. They didn't stick with it, which is surprising because usually with these cable shows, they, they will give them a couple of seasons. Uh, but, you know, that seems to be a, a problem that plagues a lot of these shows is uh, they, they uh, I don't know, they just, if they don't find the audience, they don't give them the time to develop and the time to uh, tell the full story. And of course, it's even uh, more harsh on network television where they don't have necessarily as much time to, to pull people in. You know, you look at something like Firefly. How possibly yep. anyone in this world could cancel Firefly, right? I mean, it's like one of the greatest shows of all time, if not one of the best sci-fi shows of all time. And yet, pulled? I mean, that made no sense. Right, and it's because if it's not... You know, Firefly 2 is like right on the edge of that old mentality of television as compared to the new mentality of television now where TV doesn't have to exist just on the broadcast airwaves. I'll give right. you a sci-fi one that they pulled that was actually doing very well, Space Above and Beyond. They canceled that, and that had one of the highest ratings for a sci-fi show. So, But that's you just qualified that by saying yeah. one of the highest ratings for a sci-fi show. The highest rating for a sci-fi show is still equivalent to yeah. you know okay. a daytime drama or a game show. True. Unfortunately. I mean, not that we want it to be that way, but that's that's the sad uh, reality of it. I mean, uh, w one of the shows that I got into and we actually ha tried to start a little campaign here to help save it was Journeyman. You know, that was an, another show. I that, totally forgot about that show. Yeah, that, it just popped back Man. into my head. Yeah. But that was a show that had paranormal themes that, that never got the chance and, and had a lot of potential. If I had to, to pull one out and if I was making my list of, of, of top ten paranormal shows, um, one of the ones that would be on the list, which did not get a chance to live and to breathe. Um, the Ghost of Mrs. Muir? No, that was on for a long time, man. Yeah. I remember watching that when I was a kid. I yeah. actually referenced that in one of my posts uh, on the Spooky Shelf Book article section. No, the oh, other. The show is better I mean, than the movie. What an amazing show The Others was. Yeah. Um, and I've gone back and I've watched some of those like on really bad um, YouTube videos of it, and it still holds up. And it's like if this show had come out five, six years later than it did, um, I think it would have been a big hit. And, and what was the show again? Just because uh, we were kind of chatting oh, the over others. Mm -hmm. the others. So. Do you, even, do you even remember it? No, I don't remember it. Oh, my word. It was, it was the, the story of it was, and this was, I was in Florida part one, so it must have been 99, 2000. Mm -hmm. And it was a girl who was going to a New England college, and she all of a sudden was able to speak with the dead. And she found this group of people who all had these different paranormal abilities. And it was, and they had, it was really spot on writing, like in, within the episode. It had a cast who all had different skills. So obviously, you know, every episode was spent with a little bit of backstory, not in the, in the, in the flashback, like a, like a loss, but in terms of just kind of revealing who the characters were. It had this over. Uh, this this kind of arc, which they never really got to solve, which was almost kind of like a uh, if you've ever heard of the Bunny Man legend, um, uh, out in Ohio, I believe it is. It kind of had this feel to it, where there was this big bad uh, paranormal force that the girl was eventually going to have to come to contact with. And they explored so many interesting things. They explored uh, remote viewing. They ex they explored uh, things like uh, being able to find uh, uh, symbols all around you. They had an episode. Uh, where they were flying on planes uh, from the 401, you know, flight 401 case. All these really great paranormal elements. Most of these actors that were in the show went on to do other shows and kind of get their own kind of amount of fame. And it was just such a, 
it was just the wrong show. It was the right show at the wrong time. And it's one of those things I highly encourage anyone to go back and try to get. I think they actually do have it on DVD, but I'm not going to buy it. Right. It's well, an amazing show, and it's been only last, on I think, like 10 or 12 episodes. Yeah, every show should be online within the next five years anyway. So, uh, Well, that's part of the problem, though, is, it, like I was saying before about Firefly, it was on the cusp of, you know, when shows don't really get the time to develop and, and look at internet, I guess we'll call it internet networks now. Uh, you know, when you have a, a service, a streaming video service like Netflix, where now they're developing their own programming, you right. can see, and I mentioned this on the show this morning, uh, this was just my idea, but instead of having all these failed pilots and, and one-and-done you know, series where the first couple episodes don't draw so they, they can the whole show, why don't we put these shows out on Netflix or Hulu or these different services, out on the Internet, out on YouTube, and let people vote for them and let people rate them and based on those ratings decide whether or not you want to go forward with making more episodes. You know, Why don't we put the success of a show directly in people's hands instead of Nielsen ratings, which have been outdated for the past 15, 20 years? Right, right, and it's and it's, it's uh, and it's so much even even more than ratings. It's about the ability to segue into something else, um, or to be able to to, to cross it over, or get products in there, or, or get you know a car company to agree to uh, to put <laughs> to put their their car commercials on a show about ghosts. Well, you know, where, whereas if you put something out there, um, people 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 go to it. Even if they go to it for two or three times, you know, these are the, the the reality shows as well. They go to it at least two or three times to expose themselves to. It. In other words, they have a thirst for this kind of stuff. Right. You know, and the thing the thing with that is is that also the writers uh, are drawn to that. If you look at the, for example, like the later seasons of the X Files, uh, so many paranormal, so many ghosts, so many uh, horror writers started writing episodes for it just because they wanted to get in on it, uh, the, or they wanted to direct an episode just because they loved doing the idea of going from where they are to kind of doing a medium. And, and you and you can't necessarily you know go and produce an entire series, but ooh, I want to go in and do a few episodes. And so if they if they um, if they put something out there, people are going to flock to it, and it's going to be enough. You know, I mean, it's, I think that one thing, like I said, the people who are passionate about Firefly are still watching it. Every time there's a marathon, they're watching all you know, 12, 14 episodes, however many it was. They're watching it. They're sitting down and doing it. They're watching the the, the specials that are that are about it. And so that's the kind of passion and the kind of um, sticking to it that, that's going to make people buy the products that are advertised on it. But, but the problem is that passion isn't rewarded uh, in, in the current television format. I mean, we, we were lucky to have a show like Lost that we could get into, uh, but how many shows have come out now that are supposed to have been the next Lost? Right. That just didn't gain that audience and and just fell by the wayside rather quickly. They still they probably had just as much of a following, uh, but they didn't have as much buzz. And I think that makes a, a big difference. I, I'm I'm sorry to say too. I think it helps that if you can get TV Guide and Entertainment Weekly to start promoting your show as being great, uh, then that will help uh, change a lot of people's minds too. Which it, it shouldn't, but uh, it's well, kind of I a think, situation. I think, and, and Fringe is a good, really good example of this because Fringe. From what I understand from everything, and I wasn't into Fringe when it was on, much like Lost, I, I signed on late. Um, it was actually over before I started getting into it. And what you had was an, kind of a, an explosion of here it is, and then a lull as they were trying to find, okay, who's going to watch us, who's going to like us, things like that. And then in the later seasons, you just went, you know what, forget that. 
here's the story we want to do. We're making this. And even instead, they, we made the fifth season for the people who like it. Like, not for anyone else. We didn't expect anyone else to come on. And so because of that, they kept playing with the format of the show, trying to make it something that they didn't really fully envision it to be because they wanted to draw people in. Um, and so I think a lot of those shows were like Flash Forward and, 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 um, and the new kind of uh, incarnation of V. I think those fostered because the writing wasn't good. Like, they right. just weren't good shows. Because well, um, people, because the flash forward end of the premieres, like the first two weeks, were killing in the rating, and then pff, it just tailed right off because you know what, it wasn't really that good. And look, NBC tried something similar with the event. Uh, they tried something similar with um, what was Happy Town on? <laughs> Happy Town? Uh, yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember much about it. Yeah. I know what you're talking about, but I don't yeah. remember. Was that, that on ABC? ABC, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was that? Uh, it was kind of like a uh, vampire werewolf show. Yeah, that didn't last the, very long. Well, the Gates or something, was it Was it called? Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. There, there's just been so many of these uh, failed failed attempts uh, over the last few years of, of recapturing that type of magic. And, and like you said, if, if the writing isn't there, people aren't going to stick with it. But some of these shows, uh, they've invested a lot of money in They've invested a lot of time in and they watch that uh, go down the drain. I mean, you were talking about how uh, Fringe, you know, kind of struggled to find its way and, and kind of just started making shows for the fans. I remember with, uh, for example, Quantum Leap again, you know, like I said, one of my favorite shows of all time. They had a rule very early on, the writers did, that Sam Beckett was not going to leap into anyone famous, that that they just weren't going to do that. And instead, you know, when the fifth season comes around and they're trying to make sure that they can get eyes on the show, and I don't know if anybody remembers when that show was on, but it suffered a thousand deaths over the course of its life because they kept moving it from night to night and they would have what they would call leap week where they would put it on every night at 10 o'clock just to try to see what night it would have some success on to try to keep it going because the writing and the acting was so good, but nobody was watching it. And then finally in the fifth season, they had to break that rule. And that's when you see him leaping into Dr. Ruth Westheimer, leaping into Elvis Presley, leaping into Marilyn Monroe's bodyguard. And you start seeing a lot of these storylines come in to try to get eyes on the program. And it, 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 in some ways, it did a disservice to the original uh, concept of the program. And, and the same thing happened with a show like Smallville, a, a little bit of a different situation where they're trying to stretch uh, getting into that 10th season. But, you know, they always said, you know, no capes, no tights. They weren't going to have him actually become full-out Superman. So they did that whole thing where he becomes the Blur instead. And they don't actually full-out release him as Superman, but they, they still started moving him in that direction uh, because eventually you have to. You have to serve that master if you want to continue to have the show uh, be on the air. You know, and I think you nailed it right on the head, uh, which is actually the point that I was going to make before, which I, I lost because that's the kind of person I am, um, is that the, the shows that are coming out now that are failing are trying to stretch before they have an audience. Right. So something like, and, I, and, and to me, this is, the, this is the, the pinnacle. Once you take Twilight Zone out of the way, okay, the Twilight Zone is Twilight Zone. Right. No, but there's no better paranormal show than Twilight Zone. It's, it's, it's transcendent. Outer Limits? Yeah, I, I don't think the Outer Limits is up there. I don't think that Outer Limits has the reach. I think it, doesn't it, it have could a, be as good of a show, but, but it doesn't have the... It's a contender, the, at least. In terms of paranormal themes, yes. In terms of Twilight Zone is different because yes. it it's it goes beyond paranormal themes and it's social commentary right. in a disguise. Right. Um, and that, so so for me, that's that's that that top spot. If you take Twilight Zone out, it's Buffy. It just is. I mean, it's it's it's, it's probably it's my favorite show of all time, paranormal or not. 
the well, beauty of Buffy is <laughs> that it had its story, and then all of a sudden it slipped in hints of other stuff that were going on. These other shows, and Flash Forward and Under the Dome is a really good example of this too from, from the episodes that I've watched, is that they're trying to stretch it out so much and make it so mysterious that most of the time is spent with people just kind of going around like looking for red herrings and being confused all the time. So there's no story to engage you and to get you and you're pumped up. And then all of a sudden there's like this little hint at the end of like, you know, the, well, I don't get it. Was this Everything makes sense except for this one thing. Well, we don't know. I forget about it. Everything else was good. And then you're like, wait a minute. What's that other thing? And then it comes back. These other shows are stretching it out, making it so you have to watch like 12 episodes. And I know... Moniz, I know you love Falling Skies. I think Falling Skies is is um, is, is that the, that's the name of it, right? Falling Skies. It is. It's been three seasons of going nowhere. It's just been like every single time you watch it, it's like you don't. Maybe you learn one thing over the course of the of the episode, and there's like 27 other things that you're like, oh. It's re. I think that that really starts to drag on audiences who want satisfaction and then a hint of something more. Well, what it is is I find it. They got too many other of these little subplots going on, and they've written themselves into a um, a corner, so to speak. So now they have right. to basically try and worm their way out, jump jump over various parts of it to try and get themselves out of the out of the corner. Right, right, and, and so I think that's where a lot of them fail is that they're they're trying too early to kind of do that, like, we need to hook you for this bigger, bigger thing, but we're not going to give you so much to satisfy, we're just going to keep trying to hook you and trying to hook you. It will happen. Like, I thought the X-Files was like that towards the middle of, the, of, of its run, and then it, it kind of went back to, like, no, we're going to give you a really amazing episode and then kind of feed you a little bit, uh, which is what makes that a series so great as well. Well, I was telling Moniz uh, earlier before we went on the air, and I've, I've been mentioning the show to Costa. I just finished up uh, tonight watching the first season of Orphan Black, which is a BBC American production about clones, uh, about uh, a, a bunch of women who are all clones. And, and the storytelling on that is, is really good, but they gave you a lot of stuff at the beginning, and, and they didn't make you wait for the entire season to start piecing things together. Uh, because, like you said, you know, nobody wants to sit around and wait all that time. Flash Forward drove me crazy about that because, right. like, if they had started giving more clues and gave people an idea of what the show was about from the beginning, it would have had maybe a better audience. But instead, uh, we, we keep getting these, you know, the, the very last 30 seconds of the episode, they discover something and then wait and find out next week. And then we go to next week's show and instead, you know, some bad guy's coming on the scene right when they're about to unveil what's going on and, and it gets put off again. So, I mean, by by doing that by overstretching uh, then then you you kill the interest because eventually people just say you know what i'm sick i'm not going to wait anymore and, right, and right. instead of turning on instead of just saying you know, instead of just watching the show for what it is at that point they get angry they turn it off and that's when the ratings start to slip right or if it, or if it's you know every episode becomes about oh this person then dies at the end right he's about to tell you something he dies or you know, this person is a double agent. You know what I'm saying? They're actually the bad guy, or they're actually, you thought they were this, but they're actually the vampire. That's why you've never seen them during the day. And it, it becomes really, for me, frustrating. I'm like, all right, I get that. I can totally live with it, but what are you going to give me during the episode? Mm -hmm. So at its best, the, the supernatural and paranormal TV gives that to you and feeds that to you, and then kind of, once again, and, and you know, it's, it's video games 101, right? The big bad, the boss at the end of the scene. That's why Buffy, I think, is great. Every season had a big bad. They had to fight at the end. And and everything 
else and all the cool all the cool stuff that you do to, over the course of the video game over the course of that that level you know it rocks and at the end you fight the big person mm-hmm. might be a little bit of a formula right I think Buffy did it really well the way that they would do that and the way they would tie things in and stuff like that but so many of these shows want to you know give you not the game just continuously like it's almost like just walking through water trying to get to the bad guy well I mean we're just about out of time uh, for this show Chris and I know that you said that you know Twilight Zone is kind of untouchable, number one. I have to agree with that. Uh, you pick Buffy as your number two. Moniz, what would you say is your number two behind Twilight Zone? Outer Limits. Like I said, I like those type of stories. Matt Costa, what about yourself? Scooby-Doo. <laughs> they, but they didn't actually it have was a hoax stuff. Yeah, it was always a hoax. <laughs> but they always figured it out and debunked they it. Did. They were the They were the taps of their day. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna touch and uh, I guess I, I'd probably say that Lost is mine uh, because uh, just because of that mythology and getting into the story and and for me there was no better episodes uh, than when you had Jacob and the Man in Black just sitting back and and talking about how they were controlling all these pieces you know that kind of showed you what that whole story was about so. Well, so many different shows for people to go back and check out if they've never watched them before. And, of course, Chris will have more shows to dissect and break down in the future uh, because it seems like these type of theme content is not going away anytime soon. Whether or not they get to last is a different story, but at least at least they're out there. I think also with that, I think the further we get away from other shows, like Quantum Leap, the, the more we're, we're, we're going back in a nostalgic way and realizing, wait a minute, these, it's not just for – you know, for the quiche factor, these are actually really good shows. What about the old original, like Night Stalker, Kolchak? That's one you guys didn't bring up, and that was, you know, the X-Files of its day. But again, I mean, that had an even more limited audience, unfortunately. I, I remember mean, watching it as a kid. Because <laughs> you were its limited audience. Yes. It was you and Andy, and that was pretty much it. <laughs> all right. That does it for this week's show. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris. Oh, no problem at all. I wish uh, we need to come back and maybe uh, do another thing like this. Absolutely. Yeah. But for now, we'll Buffy-centric show. I'll say for now, we'll let you get back to your Buffy marathon. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Have a great Going night. Going back to Fringe, actually. All right. Take it easy. Have a wonderful night, guys. You too. Right. That is Spooky South Coast content director Chris Balzano. You can check out his articles on SpookySouthCoast.com. Uh, he's always writing about different topics. We have a number of articles up there. Always new, fresh content from our stable of writers. Check out what's up there. Uh, we have Kira Emily's experiences at the Palmer House. We have Barb Wright wrote a few columns uh, up there as well in the last couple of weeks. Dave Francis. So check all that stuff out. Something from our friend Luann is up there right now. Uh, read all of that. Also go to legendtrips.com and get your tickets now. We're getting close to sold out for the USS Salem, so you don't want to miss your chance to get those. Uh, also, we have tickets for sale for Slater Mill. And for the Fearing Tavern in Wareham, and a new one will be announced very, very soon. So get out there and get those tickets while you can. We'll be back next week with Andrea Perrin from The Conjuring, the woman who had all that happen to her. So until next week, stay spooktacular. <laughs>